Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of August, 2018. Before I get into thinking of something to talk about tonight, I'd like to mention that I have the websites, remember, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You can find out the other websites. I have all the official sites, including Alan AlanWattSentinel.eu. And you can find out how to order the books and discs I have at these particular sites. So I was going to CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com to get a list of all the other official sites I have. Remember, too, that if you see the, the books and so on advertised elsewhere, they're not mine. They have to come from my site only. And that's the world we live in, isn't it? I suppose. And that helps you take along. Remember, too, you can, you can donate because you like the shows, hopefully. And they're free, out there for free for years and years and years, thousands of topics to choose from as we explore, basically, the system we're born into. And it truly is a system, and that's what I try to put across to people, is to show you how to unravel it. It's well named The Matrix because there are many, many layers to this particular system. And I can remember even old Stanley Monteith, one of the, the hosts of a show in the States who died not too long ago, and he used to open his shows by saying that, that basically we're living in, in a form of an illusion. An illusion is usually king as opposed to what you think of as reality. It's the illusion that's king because it truly is a very intensely managed system with many layers of management involved in it that you have no idea even work upon you constantly. And that's the message I've often tried to get across to show you that governments all work together to promote this world order they're talking about. They've been at this for many centuries, actually, at least a certain few at the top. And even those within governments, the ones who are elected, you think are elected into manage the system, belong to lower orders of the same system. And Carl Quigley touched upon that, too, that the leaders of the parties, and pretty well all the, the Western democracies, the leaders of the parties all belong to the same organization. And he was referring to, to the one called the Council on Foreign Relations, and in Britain, the parent company is the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which also runs the Royal Society as well, because they use all the sciences upon the people too. And also, they have the Trilateral Commission now as well. That was a later one which they added on. And the Trilateral Commission has technocrats that maybe were elected at one time, but they have left politics generally. Some have never been involved directly in politics, but they make real political decisions behind the scenes as far as making policy and implementing policy and doing negotiations across the world. They're very important. And I think Jimmy Carter was the first government assembly which they, where they had it stacked with trilateral members for the first time, in fact. Because, you see, the big, big plan is too important to be left to chance. It's a very difficult thing for most folk to understand. You see, we, the people, are understood <laughs> perfectly well by those who manage us all. And every country, every country is well managed. Even the countries which have different cell groups for terrorism and so on, from, and not just recent, but even a long time ago, back in the 60s and so on, in the 70s, and the, the Bader-Meinhof 
gang and things like that, they've all been monitored from the from the beginning. You can't just start something and get away with it. Everything's monitored. Even 9-11, the chatter before it all happened was monitored perfectly well. And one of the heads of the, from the Home Office in Britain came on, I think, the day after uh, it happened with, with the towers getting hit and said that they'd warned the U.S. this was going to happen. You, you can't keep such a thing secret. doesn't matter who was put up to do it. And, of course, that's what left... Uh, I think Israel also came forward and said the same thing. They'd warned the U.S. too. And that's what leads to all the conspiracy ideas. For instance, why would they let it happen, since they were warned about it? And these were not... Um, some vague conspiracy theorists come out from Britain saying this or Israel. These were people in the intelligence services at the top. So we're, we're, we're incredibly well managed. And even those who foment terrorism in the present time are understood to do it. They, they know they're going to do it. And I think it's all part of the strategy of managing all of us and keeping us all under under wraps, basically. You can change society by putting it under a, a kind of tyranny for, for a temporary period or, or a permanent period because we adapt to everything as a species, uh, including tyranny, in fact. And all you have to do along the way is to educate the people that it's not tyranny after all and give them different reasons for it being in place and they'll accept that too. We're very, very malleable as a species. We adapt very well to whatever our masters want. They tell us when to be terrified about something, and when things actually terrify the public in reality, we're told not to worry about it. It's quite a, an amazing technique, isn't it? And that's the world, because the world has to go through massive changes uh, with massive immigration. Again, too, planned before I was born. And in the 70s, the Rockefeller Institute published lots of articles on this coming system with mass migrations of people across the world from di for different reasons moving to and fro. And that's what we have today, of course. We also forget, we always hear about the, the, the mass of, of uh, very poor immigrants coming in and the cost and the burden to societies who are already bankrupt, really. We're all living on borrowed money and keep borrowing all the time as nations. And yet, we forget that in a world today, you also have from so-called third world, they were called third world countries. Some of the third world countries are actually full of bigger middle classes that you can imagine. India's got a massive middle class and they always have had. You always hear about the poor, but they never tell you about the massive middle class. It's a large population, remember. There's a lot of money coming into different countries. And the same with China too and other countries across the world as well. So don't think it's just poor folk coming in. You have complaints, for instance, out in the west coast of Canada with the, the, the mass migrations coming in for years and years and years, driving the cost of living up and the price of, of, of housing up. And uh, real estate agents are just too happy to, to keep bumping the price up. And people are coming in who have the money to buy them, but the local folk don't. Same in Australia. We've seen articles about this too, and even New Zealand now has got problems because they're buying <laughs> survival redoubts, you might call them, in New Zealand for the ultra-ultra-wealthy people from across the world, all countries. And they're buying up massive chunks of land to build their safe homes as the world goes down the tubes, as, as they see it, through climate change or whatever it happens to be, or simply financial collapse.
and it's quite interesting you watch it, all this kind of thing going on. But getting back to what I'm saying, that the point of all is the world is managed. It's not just happening by chance, mass migrations. And the whole idea of a world empire, according to the CFR and the Royal Institute for International Affairs, was to manage a system step by step by step into a world order. And in the meetings in the 1930s, for instance, the same organization had world meetings, its annual meetings, and they talked about mass migration of the future and the, the, eventually the elimination of borders is starting with, starting with the British Empire countries. They have the speeches given by different members from across the world of, of the old empire countries. Interestingly enough, too, they also had members from Southern Ireland, for those who don't quite know what's going on. They've got members in every, every place, even the ones you think are uh, post all. And they all had also top uh, bankers and politicians that attend these, this, this private club that helps run the world. You've got to also remember, too, they have huge bureaucracies that you don't elect, not just in your government, but outside your own government. And today you even have massive bureaucracies hidden within huge marketing companies that manage the strategy and the think tanks as well combined with them, the strategy of integration, including the fallout, again, the mayhem of clashes of different cultures. But regardless, that's why nothing is stopping or slowing down as you go through what you see as mayhem in a sense in some countries in Europe. It's getting so well managed in a sense, and, and no matter what happens, the agenda must go forth. Everyone must accept this agenda, including the present chaos of, of different elements within society, as you have crime and so on happening too. So there's no point in complaining about it. No one's going to listen at the top because you don't really have much of a say in it all. The real governmental system is bigger than the political system for those who haven't quite figured it out. The agencies, too, that managers and your surveillance agencies of all kinds, there's many kinds, actually. You always hear about the most well-known ones, of course. But but there's, there's different layers of different special groups and corps as well managing us all. And it's not new. That's what I'm trying to get at here. I keep looking at, at certain old movies that give you little bits and pieces of truth. And you can certainly go and dig up the facts uh, that they mention in the movies, for instance. And one of the movies was Enemy of the State. Excellent movie, Enemy of the State. I remember done in the late 90s, 1990s. And it's about a senator who wants to push through working with the NSA, a new a system which, which actually came later in, in the U.S. and elsewhere of total surveillance on everyone under the guise of fighting terrorism. But this was before, remember, uh, 9-11 happened in 2001. They put the movie out. And in the movie, the main character meets an ex-renegade from the NSA who talks about uh, a truth, which is that since, since during World War II onwards, Everyone was spied upon, and, and it was never stopped. All telephone calls inside the country were getting monitored from the 40s on. And they also had the same thing in Britain, of course. And in Britain, they also admitted, uh, and I'm sure they did in the States too, they had, they had special post offices for sorting, where people on lists 
would have their mail diverted. This did come out in the newspapers in Britain eventually. And no one cares, of course, when they tell you the truth uh, after a long time, even though they're still doing it. It also came out in Britain uh, when, with an article on Anthony Wedgwood Ben, the politician who was being spied upon too. Because a lot of his members were, were thought to be communist party members. And it, but that's, again, the same system that Quigley talked about where he said, he said, we're often mistaken for communists because we basically have the same agenda. Folk can never quite figure all this out, you see. But Wedgwood Ben was spied upon, and, and his mail, too, was being uh, diverted, and members of his cabinet, too. But they've, they've done it with pretty well everybody on the list, you see. They had never stopped, and they didn't start with him. And I think it was also in Spycatcher, they mentioned a little bit about that, too. And in these certain offices, they had every envelope pretty well known to, to, to humanity, every stamp, including the rubber stamps as well, from all countries, and they could literally take out the information out of a letter, copy it, reinsert it in a new envelope of identical type, stamp it in the whole bit, and then send it back on its way in very quick time too. Remember, with a phenomenal amount of tax money, and there's all kinds of taxes, many of them hidden you don't even think about. Most folk don't even know about. <laughs> That's the best way to tax folk, of course, don't tell them. Just tack it on to all kinds of purchases of all kinds, including candies or whatever. It all goes into to the same big kitties in government. Massive amounts of money, massive amounts of financing for all kinds of projects, and especially the amount that's set aside to manage and spy upon the people to keep them in line. The first object of government is not to serve the people, never was. It was always to sustain itself, to ensure its continuity. That's the first law. But government itself, as they say, has a, a, a higher government even above the one that you think you elect. And if every member of every party is a member of the same organisation, sworn to world government, that Quigley was on about, then are you really surprised at the, the, the way things are going today? You shouldn't be. All reasons and all excuses are being made for making it all happen. You've got climate change, even in the, in the 80s, the 70s, but in the 80s, the Rockefellers again talked about it, mass migrations due to climate change or, or drought and so on. The same thing after the Club of Rome came out with their project, after being given the task of finding a way to, or to give excuses for, for the big, big agenda. And they, they came up with a, a big plan, of course, that, that drought and famine and, and, uh, and uh, you know, etc. Uh, would fit the bill. Man meant was the enemy. So humanity is the enemy. Because eugenics has always been at the very top of it. And those at the top, uh, of course, the, the beforehand, like, like the Huxleys, for instance, Julian Huxley. And going way back to even Darwin himself and then Sir Thomas Huxley that took over. And the many ever the ones that came afterwards, all have been on about this is the size of humanity growing too big. Now, people often think that uh, well, we're not breeding as as much as this other group over there, and you, you simply don't understand yet. You see, the whole world is a target right now, and if you really understand eugenics and go deeply into the writings of eugenicists over the last hundred years you'll find they'd already decided, they had decided 
about before the, the term junk genes came out, <laughs> that most of us really are really the junk. Because if you had if you had the, the abilities within you, you would have sought out equivalent marriage partners in previous generations, with money, required money through intellect and so on, and through ability, uh, through science, even science projects, etc., and acquired money. But you would marry within a certain group and and would never go outside of that group. You would you would choose your mates very carefully. And hold on to your money for two or three generations. Those who hadn't done it were new to the game of money, therefore they would never be accepted. It was too new. And if you hadn't achieved that by the late 1800s, in fact, <laughs> no kidding, a lot of these eugenicists believed that you never would, therefore you're all junk. No matter how, what you might have thought you achieved in your own lifetime, or your grandparents were, no, I'm sorry, if they hadn't made it near the top, then, then they were this junk, you see. And that's why all peoples across the planet are scheduled for <laughs> for basically the same treatment West has been given, which is sterility. Sterility hasn't happened by itself. In sterility, there's your, your farmers at the top, like Charles Fort said, are all getting farmed. And I think it's pretty, pretty well right, certainly for wars in the past, and now they don't need you so much for the wars. Uh, they've got missiles and all kinds of weaponry that's very invisible or Silent, etc. Really don't need you all. Therefore, they can cull the hair down. And that's what happens. You sterilize them quietly, painlessly. They don't know it. Uh, they don't even care much, really. Not now. They're all having fun. And they're being sterilized. And believe you me, the ones at the very top, if they hadn't planned this to happen, it would be a crisis. They would be shouting from the rooftop to find out why their, their, their animals, you know, their farm animals, that's us, are, being, are, are going sterile. And since they don't scream about it, they know the causes and they're not concerned. It means it's meant to happen. And that's the facts of it, folks. Most folk, of course, will think, who live in, 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 from television land, will, will never ever believe that because they believe the TV and the media is an extension of their brain. It's there to, to warn you about things and to, like an early warning system. That's what they really believe these private businesses are about and governmental businesses. They really do believe that. And it's not my words, that's what basically Brzezinski said in his book Between Two Ages. The people eventually would be unable to think for themselves. They expect the media to do the reasoning for them. Sad, isn't it? There's so much of this planning has come to pass, and most folk don't even know what's happening. So getting back to Enemy of the State, excellent movie to watch. You'll see how the, the, the incredible, and they were showing you at the time in the movie, the technologies that they were already using before they passed the next laws of anti-terrorism laws and so on for surveillance. It really is astonishing. It truly is astonishing. Therefore, as I say, there's nothing that can truly happen spontaneously that they didn't know about. The infiltration of every little nook and cranny of every country and to all kinds of ethnic groups too. When governments have their own agents in there, they hire them from all ethnic groups and they make sure they're well-placed. There's nothing can happen without them knowing about it. And true to, to form that they'll let things off and go ahead anyway because they can get various other benefits out of letting things happen. It also terrifies the people to be even more afraid to, and willing to do what they're told or give up more freedoms for, for, for safety and so on. 
I like to really study history. And history is pretty ruthless. You have to go into Machiavelli, but not just Machiavelli. Go into the stories of different kings and queens and their histories and the different slaughterings of members of family by members of family in royal families and so on. And the scheming that went on is just phenomenal. Ancient times as well. Incredible scheming. Uh, and that, that was just normal, normal stuff. And don't forget, too, even when a, a king, for instance, is mad, goes mad, the henchmen around them, in all ages, will do what they're told and commit genocide. Anybody they're told to commit genocide upon it never changes. He doesn't. It's like the old Herod idea, too, in, in ancient uh, Jerusalem. And killing off his sons and everybody else. Just utterly paranoid. But he didn't do it himself. He got the henchmen to do it. And armies obey and that's what happens. Eh? In all ages, in all countries, same thing. Reality is pretty well a horror show. It truly is. And it's only kept into what we call a civilized realm of functionality. By keeping most of the public in the dark <laughs> all the time and telling us constantly that we know all there is to know. And they do, they give us little scandals here and little scandals here about this, that, or the other. And, and that's supposed to keep us informed. And a lot of folk think that they are. But we've never lived in an era of such incredible entertainment and variety of it all. And things to occupy us. And all these minds paid high, high wages to design games of all kinds to addict the children and waste their lives away. And even alter their behavior in many ways. Even the game itself, each type of game can alter behavior. You can give them all kinds of wonderful, violent games, eh? Uh, where they're the heroes slaughtering everybody with impunity. And they go right in from their, their various Xboxes into the military. They've had programs and documentaries on this. They actually say that. They go right into the military, from Xbox to the military. And years ago, I, before 9-11 happened, I said they're training a generation through all these games for wars that are coming. I knew it then. It was obvious. Because the ones designing these games for children were military uh, and Pentagon uh, employees, basically. Agencies working for the Pentagon. Psychologists, behaviorists, etc. And sure enough, they, they, they grew a population. They raised them up. A generation, I should say. They raised a generation up to go to war. And it hasn't stopped to the present day. That's good planning for, for those who manage us all. They always, don't think that things just happen suddenly. Please don't think that. I can remember, too, reading about FDR when he was talking about big, big changes that suddenly came in society uh, and society which is governed by, by people and politicians. And he said, if it happens, if it happens in politics, it was meant that way. Whatever happens is, is no accident, in other words. It's planned that way. Power doesn't allow what you think of as democracy to just run rampant and go its own strange way, which could be a million different ways. Otherwise, power would lose itself.
power gives impression of change. By sure enough, one in generations they can let most of the men be the, the bosses, and the next generation they, they, can, they can change it to women be the bosses. But the same power at the very, very top, directing it all. For those down below, they, they don't they don't know. They think it's just happenstance. And the pendulum, even in Freemasonry, all the Masons I've ever met talk about the pendulum. What swings one way and the society goes way off this direction and and then later on for another era it goes off in a different direction. This is what happens by chance. Nothing happens by chance. Power never, ever allows chance to take over. It's, to, to power at the very top, it's a military strategy. You plan every possible event that could ever possibly even remotely happen and have contingency plans for every single type of it of event you can imagine or even not imagine <laughs> they really do so for people to think that any grassroots movement just spontaneously comes along to, 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 with change in mind and does it all by itself then 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 go on into fantasy land because believe you me Anything that succeeds was planned that way and financed that way and directed that way and doors open to allow things to happen. That's the reality of it all. So read the books of systems of the past because we're really a continuation of the systems of the past. They simply blend to the next part of the system, the next part, the next part. And today we're in into a scientific management. That's what they call it, scientific management of society. As an example, just by pure coincidence, I listened into BBC Radio for a change uh, from England, and they had a program on to do with with uh, nudging people. And I've mentioned before nudge in the book by uh, Sunstein. And they used nudging uh, through all your... You're, uh, so, so many different ways you see nudging Most folk know about it in the computer Or maybe they've forgotten about it already Because all the programs in the computer Are meant to nudge you into looking You know, People, people who read this also looked at this And you get nudged in Even if you look up, see a topic And you're serious about finding something out The systems are all set up If you've got everything open on your computer For the computer to then Take note of what you're looking up Record it, send it off again to other agencies you might say out there, and then they nudge you into a more what do you call it whitewashed. Let's call it whitewashed version of what you're really looking for. Okay, and you won't know it. You won't know that. So that's why I I, I don't I set all the things off as, as, uh, on my computer. So I I'm hopefully I've got more more charge of it than anything else. I don't want a stack of newspaper articles all popping up at the same time when I'm looking for one particular thing. I try to keep your, my mind focused on what I'm looking for. It's very important. But yeah, they can take you off into the whitewash, sanitized versions of things, which have most of the information excised out of it, giving you a false impression of the very topic you're searching. That's nudging as well. Meanwhile, you, you'll be thinking that you're choosing. Well, people who read this also read, so okay, I'll look at that. So you think you're choosing. You're being nudged, 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 nudged right to the end of it. And then the, the last little article you read, well, well, people looked at that, but it really doesn't matter anymore. Things have changed and then blah, blah, blah. And they say, oh, well, the whole t- I'll just toss the topic out altogether and forget it because it's not worth it. No, that's how it's done. Simple, isn't it? Simple. 
But the BBC also talked about nudging people in grocery stores and how, they, I guess, they must be, have, have tried it or maybe they finance or, or pay off corporations to sell groceries, I don't know. But I'm sure it's been well studied. But they did say that it's no coincidence when you walk into certain stores, you'll have the fruit here and different things, and the meat's way over the far, far end. You won't even see it unless you walk right through the store. And they're encouraging you to go for vegetables and fruit as opposed to meat and things like that. But you won't know that unless they told you, as they did in this particular show. This is happening all the time to you and you don't know it. If you're watching TV, you get this to happening. You're getting hammered all the time with it. It's inserted through lots of fiction, all the little things you should do or what to eat, not to eat, and blah, 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 and how you should behave and so on. And you don't know. And it's called behavior management and behavior modification. And that was just a little half hour uh, listening to the BBC, which I don't do very often because I can't really stand it. <laughs> because pretty well all governmental run stations are propaganda in many, many, many forms. Very blatant too. But anyway, and you could go on about that too in the BBC and who also bought Crown shares off them. And of course, there was an outside agency that also bought them. I read the articles years ago on a live radio show that was on. But people do forget, don't they? They're always forgetting. And you're always given more trash to, to, to run and jump on next day. Most of the media today is just trash. It really is. It's even worse than bubblegum entertainment. You know, they, they, they churn out and churn out and you, you just sit and watch something because it's just to pass the time or you listen to some music that's not music at all to pass the time. You'll never remember it because there's, there's nothing in the song or whatever or the melody to even remember. It's bubblegum. And that's how entertainment is all about today. Occasional good one with showing little bits and quips and this and quips and that for you to check up if you want to, if you can remember to do so. But most of them don't. They're just bubblegum. Or, they're, again, they're predictive programming where this is how you'll behave in this situation. Just do it. Just do it. Remember the ads quite a few years back? They kept saying, just do it. Don't think. Just do it. And sure enough, you just do it and you think you're making your own decisions. <laughs> it's really intense, isn't it? That There are very few opinions that you have that you've checked out or studied to any degree at all to find out the facts. And even then, we're living in a system now it's getting harder and harder to find the facts. And if you do find the facts, you'll find most folk don't care. That's the system in which we live today, scientifically managed. Even the legal system, the court cases come up, and folk think they're going to, I've heard them, I've even mentioned some over the years. And some people who, who have the facts on their side and so on think they'll get their day in court and, and they, could, they could let all this out to the public. And they're told to shut up, basically, because the court isn't there to hear your facts. And the one that, as a judge in Canada here said a few years ago, he said, facts don't matter. Facts don't matter. The why you did something or why you said something didn't matter. The only fact they cared about in the court was, did you say this? Not why you said it. <laughs> in the free society in which we live, eh? Now, we've often talked about the systems that come in and they go. As 
the time goes on and you find agencies of all kinds that managers adapt and, and way in advance for the times to come because they help plan what's to come and they, they give you your leaders in different areas, in different fields. Today, it's dangerous even to talk about them because you've, if anyone's really noticed, you've seen a, a change in society. There's notches or buttons get pressed as the agenda goes forth. And for those who've maybe noticed it, uh, definitely we're into the next phase of social approval, social disapproval. I talked about that years ago on and off, how they use this to train everybody into the same ways of thinking and speaking and, and so on. And uh, they tell you what's unacceptable. Uh, if you've got an opinion, it's unacceptable. Well, so much for free speech and democracy. So much for the idea that they pushed for years, in fact, to get uh, all these <laughs> these new laws passed and so on, that opinions were relative. Therefore, anybody's opinion was as good as anybody else's. Well, how come they've suddenly said, no, it's not? And if you have an opinion which is politically incorrect, they're really telling you now that's unacceptable. Well, if it's unacceptable, how are they going to show it? And they're showing it by basically, it's not just shunning people, it'll be, it'll be stopping them from jobs, getting work, and all kinds of different areas too. They can do the same with the internet, naturally. And this was predicted a long time ago by people who didn't actually have the internet, like Bertrand Russell, who talked about a system coming in where the authorities would eventually put in credits or tokens into your bank account every couple of weeks or every month. You couldn't save them up. If you hadn't used them up by the next month, it'd start right back at the same number again. You wouldn't, you couldn't accumulate your credits or points, in other words. And we're going through that system right now. We talk about basically everyone getting the same wage, whether they're working or not. A basic, you see. And you think it's all just happening? No, no. This was planned back in the thirties and the nineteen forties by the social engineers. But also, Russell said that they could make you obey the system by withholding your credits if you weren't saying or doing the right things. Again, social approval, social disapproval. And if they withheld your funding, you couldn't pay your rent, you couldn't buy your food, they could punish you until you apologized and, and, and pleaded to get back in and play the game, you see. There's nothing new under the sun. There really isn't nothing new. Everything that's happen happening today was planned before I was born. And H.G. Wells talked about the world brain, a system of instant communication across the planet where all knowledge would be available. Uh, but of course, it's not all knowledge. It's just selected knowledge for, for the general population, of course. And that's the internet. He called it the world brain. And Wells didn't uh, read crystal balls. He belonged to, to the big societies and agencies, the Fabian Society, and, the, the, and also the organization that ran the British Empire that became known as the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the private company. He belonged to the Fabian Society for the left-wing side of it. He belonged to the other side for the empire side of it. So uh, these guys got all their clues from all their different professors that were even then being used in universities to help plan the future, as they still are today. Your leaders are given to you. 
for every flavour of, of a, a leaning you have towards any particular group or whatever or point of view, they've got a leader already funded, set up, and different shades of them for any little varieties. Got, they're already set up for you, if you didn't know that. <laughs> That's the way it's run. That's the way it's run. And even in alternate media too, I've watched the battles going on between different companies. I've watched ones being destroyed by, by so-called rivals. And I've watched the ones that, that couldn't fail, backed by sources, which were always invisible but very powerful. So be careful what you do, what you think. Don't take anything for granted. And stop thinking we. I used to say that years ago. We. The first way you get people into a war is that you get sides. And then you say we, and they'll say, yeah, I think that too. You know, so so-and-so speaks for me, so I belong to, I now belong to we. Yeah, we. So, they, so therefore, a leader is deciding for you what you're going to do, what you're going to think, and how you're going to behave, and what you're going to do. We, we, we. When those who manage you all are all taught the same things, which happen to be this, that number one, you can only be sure of one person, and that's that's tough enough at times too, and that's yourself. That's what the old saying always meant, know thyself. If you don't know yourself, you're finished before you start. Because there are very clever and well-trained people above you that will get hold of you, and they'll know what to do with you. They'll know how you tick. They'll know what buttons to push. It's a very precise art today, understanding people's behavior. They've got all your information out there that you helped put up anyway, daily in their internet or, or Facebook or where it happens to be. They, they combine all that stuff. They, they know all about you. They run little games on you, on what you would do in a situation, and they're pretty well accurate too, of how you would behave according to the, the personality types and the behavior responses that they've noted in you with all your chat and, and your tweets and your Facebook and so on. That's not my idea. They admit this themselves. Therefore, the, the world is vastly more different than you think, and it's more complex. And if you think of all the incredible superstructure of agencies and millions of people working, for instance, managing continents and world wars like World War Two and you put them all into agencies still running us all today, with millions of people running us all, technicians of all kinds. It's no, it's not surprising, and it's not so shocking of how easy it is to control all of us and manage us all. Therefore, once in a while, I would look at some of the old movies, like Wag the Dog, excellent movie. Also, as I say, uh, Enemy of the State, excellent movie. There are quite a few good ones out there to show you some some of the systems which govern and rule us and how our, how our own minds work and how those above us understand how we work, how our minds work. Now, what I'm saying isn't defeatist. Don't ever think that. If you can come through this world and, and break through it all for yourself, you've won. You've won for that. You might not win for anything else and you might not do it for other people. You might build your past information on it help others to break through. But it's an individual thing. It always has been done through time. Always. Why do you think agencies admit they look at people of interest? Not because they've done anything to, to sabotage anything, but because they're fascinated that you don't think the same way as the general predictable mass of people. 
They want to know why not. And they do surveys on it. Why Why are you still able to think that we... What makes you curious, for instance? Why don't you just be happy, play all the things that you're told to play, watch lots of pornography, and entertain yourself, and grow old and die? Like most folk. That's what they say. And so they do study people who don't fall into the right category, you see. They, they like the mass man, as they call it, the predictable groups. They like them very It makes it much easier to control society. Even when they set some of the groups against each other for a little bit of turmoil in society, it's all planned as well. They always remember that. And you, today, you honestly do have agencies, even foreign agencies, I've noticed this, involved in, say, Britain, running a little bit of mayhem here and there, and other countries, the US, Canada, etc., And it tells me, too, that your own agencies must be allowing it. Otherwise, they'd stop it. And I won't go into any any depth, but for a few people, maybe they'll be able to figure out what I'm talking about. Because there are articles in the paper all the time that give you little clues about this. How can certain agencies operate when the general citizenry of the country couldn't say or do certain things, but these, these other ones are allowed to? And when it's a uniform behavior and format to what's being pushed in certain countries, it means that the countries that are allowed to do it in, in the one that your country, for instance, allows these other ones to come in and do that. It has to be. It has to be, folks. So that would tell you that certain agencies across the world from different nations are actually combined into one agency. It has to be. Now, I haven't even actually given you any articles at all here because the time just flies in as I'm prattling on or just thinking. And here, an article that, that, that tells a little bit, right? But it's a paradox in itself, right? And it's uh, tech industries accused of using unethical techniques to hook. You say kids here, but kid is a young goat. So we'll say children. Hmm? And... It goes on to say that uh, children's advocates... Now, who's the advocates for children? You understand that when you get these vague terms without using people's names, it's like saying scientists or specialists say we should behave this way or whatever, right? Just like the, that, that BBC program on behavior modification. You see, they believe that scientists have the right and should be using their techniques to make us make the right choices. They actually said that. So here, here you have children's advocates want the American... Psychological Association, right? The American Psychological Association. They get masses of grants to find out how we tick and to manipulate us, right? So they want them to condemn the tech industry's practice of using persuasive psychological techniques to keep children glued to their screens. Well, you see, (laughs) these tech industries are using psychologists from the same associations to, to, to find ways to work it into the programs to make them glued and be addicted to the screens. Hmm? You see what I'm saying? And so the advocates citing researches that link excessive use of social media and video games with depression and academic troubles say it's unethical for psychologists to be involved in tactics that risk harming children's well-being. The biggest money today 
in psychologists, psychologists and behaviorists and neuroscience is in manipulating all of us on behalf of big corporations and governments to behave in certain ways. That's where all the money is today. See what I'm saying? It's like asking uh, the poison makers to get a different poison for some other reason. That's what it's like. So therefore, it's, it's, it's a scary world when, when, again, everyone's being modified all the time. Your opinions are constantly being reshaped for you. And you're being told that if you hold old opinions, like the old think opinions, then you're not only obsolete, and they'll mention that too, you're obsolete, but it's, un, it's just unacceptable. So who's deciding what's then acceptable and unacceptable? And if we're living in an era where they keep keep pushing this whole idea, well, you know, it's it's moral relativism. Well, how come your opinion isn't as good as anybody else's if it's all relative? Hmm? Intolerance. When you see intolerance being raised, then you've got to understand that what what they give you is this new free and liberal society is completely intolerant of any other opinion. And it can only go in one direction, which is a horror show down the road. And I really mean that. I've seen the switch flip over not too too long ago, and you can see it in the air. You can see it in attitudes. You can see it in little bits and bites of information being put out from the top. They're becoming intolerant, and that will go escalate until real nasty things are coming down the pike, believe you me. And they will demonize people. As time goes on, it might take a few years, they'll demonize different people until literally you won't mind. You will not mind if it becomes routine in 20, 30 years to put folk to death for, for because they have the wrong opinions. It's deemed wrong. I'm not kidding you. Because you're living in a science fiction today. Only it's not so much fiction. It's proven science of what can be done on a social level. Now, now here's another thing too. They're using social approval, social disapproval to change societies across the world. I remember it was the, with the World Bank. Again, the World Bank, the IMF, and the Bank for International Settlements are all private, run by organizations, set up by, again, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council of Foreign Relations Group. They set up the United Nations. And now they're using money and loans. They've always done this, mind you, but it's getting worse and pushing interference into other nations' cultures to get them to change their cultures. Now, I think Hillary Clinton, when she was in the State Department before, commented quite a few times on loans to different countries and parts of Africa and so on. And they were attached with the loan that they must start pushing gay rights or different things like that in order to get the loan. And initially, that was new at the time, that they would get this social interference, because it was always understood you kept out of the social policies of different countries. But then they started to change it. So that was a milestone move at the time. And and that way, two countries that were desperate for loans, they could start to dictate to, to change the societies into this common global society that we're all going into. But Canada recently had a diplomat, I think it was, that condemned something in Saudi Arabia because of a, of a woman and her brother who are social, well, they're into human rights in Saudi Arabia. 
And I think the woman's brother now is maybe in Canada now. I don't know if he's gone back and forth or, he's, or where he is now. But anyway, she herself has had different awards from the United Nations groups and, and NGOs, and she's often seen with Hillary Clinton in photographs for human rights and so on. Anyway, uh, apparently she was arrested, this, this woman. And the Foreign Affairs Minister for Canada, Christia Freeland, tweeted, I think it was, her disapproval of what happened, of, of the arrest of this woman in Saudi Arabia. It's quite a, a new milestone again, because you don't criticize Saudi Arabia up until now. Saudi Arabia can buy and sell most countries. In fact, in a sense, they, they own a lot of them. <laughs> I think they owned, uh, I think they even had a network at one point, they owned a good chunk of London and the streets and, and high-rises and towers as well. Anyway, so this, uh, this this technique of social approval and disapproval and criticism of other countries came from Canada. And, and don't forget, they're not giving a loan out to Saudi Arabia. It's always the other way around. So Saudi Arabia simply told them, OK, well, we'll cancel the grain imports from Canada. So the, now the farmers are really ticked off. And Saudi Arabia also said that they would stop bringing in to Canada, says exporting to Canada uh, oil, uh, which sort of gasoline, no doubt, will go up. And also, they could they might cancel some of the the manufacture of I guess military vehicles that Canada makes, probably through Bombardier, maybe maybe that's the company that does it. I'm quite certain, but uh, there was a big big order for them from Canada. So there's, there's a whole bunch of things they can just cancel. Plus, they've got thousands of students. I couldn't believe how many students they have uh, from Saudi Arabia and Canada. And they told them all to come back home. So the universities are all ticked off as well. All because of a tweet. Huh? Well, this is what happens when countries start to dictate to other countries. Uh, and again, uh, they seem to have forgotten this isn't a little African country here that's asking for a loan. Saudi Arabia has everybody, everybody, I think, own the money. <laughs> then there you go. But this is the sort of thing that's happening. So we're all suffering now because uh, apparently we all know how other countries should behave. Hmm? And Justin Trudeau's backing up his minister naturally and they have to do that anyway and so on. But uh, it's going to cost, it's going to cost money. And what they wait and see if they're going to stop their virtue signaling and, and standing preening to the audiences, or are they going to make amends to it or something? Who, who knows? Who knows? I'm not taking sides on it. I'm just telling you how things are today and how it costs. Uh, a tweet can cost nations millions and millions of dollars. Maybe even eventually into the billions if you really think about it down the road. So that's Canada for you. Another thing too is we're going into the same, same kind of thing as they have in the US where for political reasons and for groups condemning the history of the country in Canada, they want to take statues down, like statues of Sir John A. Macdonald who helped to federate Canada and bring all the provinces together into a nation actually. And But uh, out in British Columbia, the different groups have been complaining about what he what he did and uh, forgetting the time that they lived in and all the rest of it. So anyway, they're, they're taking his, his statue down, it says. 
this, see, they understand we're on a roll now to, to change everything, including the past. Rather than keep things as they are and even remember the good and the bad of the past, and, and if, if even the symbols of the, of the bad are removed, you won't remember the bad, will you? So I think it's a good idea to keep the bad as well. I even put more of the bad ones up. I think they should put up big monuments to slaughters across the world and that countries have done or governments have done on their own peoples across the whole planet. I really do believe that. That's a, a thing they should put up. Really. And, and you'll see just how much uh, wonderful history all these folk had in, in places like England or Scotland or Ireland and, and just see how bad it actually was when governments turned on peoples and extirpated lots of them. We should always remember that, and we should have monuments to remind us. Honestly, I really think so. Also, as Canada goes into the SOMA period now, to keep us all happy as things get worse across the world, actually, because all the whole world, isn't it strange? You always think it's your country. Every country is pushing the free marijuana at the same time. You think that's just coincidence? Nothing's coincidental about it. As they take away the real painkillers, too, for, for people who really need it, but uh, now they're using, <laughs> they're using uh, different reasons for folk attacking people now. And for instance, back in the spring in Sudbury, Ontario, a guy attacked some people in a transit station, a, a bus terminal place, with knives. And now he's been, he's been freed already. But they said he had a psychotic episode because of mar- marijuana-induced psychosis. As, as, as they're, as they're, literally, they're literally putting it all out to the public to buy the stuff And, and this, I think it's this month or next month maybe Or maybe maybe it's November, I don't know But anyway, it's, it's going to be available, widely available, different dope and, uh, so here, But here, it's telling you it's all safe and blah 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 That they're actually admitting at the same time, legally in, in, in courts, that it can cause psychosis So th- remember that folks, remember that You'll see a lot more of it actually and of course they're going to stop They're already churning out all kinds of products To, to detect folks uh, smoking and driving And it's going to be another ride program for this And have a big, big kick with technology Or breathe into this and all that stuff eh? And looking at your eyeballs to see if your pupils are dilated, etc Freedom, eh? Also, Roundup is declared by a jury in a case in the States, it's being cancerous. And a, a groundsman, or a, a, a gardener actually, who worked with it, has been awarded $289 million by a jury. And we'll see if, how far it goes. I mean, naturally they're going to oppose it. Uh, the companies that are bought over now, Monsanto's been bought over. And I'm sure they'll oppose it and try to deny it, etc., etc. You know, you know how it works. You get awarded this then... Uh, they'll come back and deny it and, and 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 debate it and work it all down again. But there's, there's too many articles now. Most of them, as I say, were, are like bubblegum. They come and they go, these articles. Most folk don't remember them. And you're flooded with data. And again, I've even read articles from intelligence agencies saying that they would flood us with so much data. It'd be so confusing that people would, would actually know less. You have too many bits and bites and pieces to remember. It, it, it becomes meaningless eventually. Or as Conan Doyle said about his character Sherlock Holmes, uh, Sherlock would always say that he, he would clean out his attic, meaning his mind, 
pre-stored all bits of information, and when they became useless and old and never used, he just cleaned them out to make room for the new. Well, it's a, it's a difficult thing to do, but I guess we have to start doing it and decide what is important. But remember, we're always being manipulated. And be careful of, of anybody you follow. Be very careful. Uh, you'll get surprises down the road the longer you live. And hopefully you will learn by it too. And unfortunately, that's, that time has already flown in so fast. So fast. And yeah, I could have flooded you with this articles and data, but again, it's often best to explain things in a bit more detail. And I know lots of people get get really something out of what I'm saying. Remember, as I say, go into cuttingthroughmidges.com. You can donate and help me out, yeah, take along here, or buy the books and discs. And uh, and you'll see how to do it at cuttingthroughmidges.com or alanwattsentinel.eu. And... Um, I've got a few other sites at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Take note of them in case the com site goes down and you'll see how to get in touch with me. From myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>